Thank you, Cade, for um, sharing that verse with us. Uh, very worthwhile. Love for other people is so high on the list of things that, that needs to take place in our hearts and minds. And um, I don't know about you, but when I'm watching that video, it's just so life for me. And when she finally sits down with her Bible and it, it brings tears to my eyes, it's like I... I feel it. It's just, it's so necessary to get that rest. Um, this weekend up at the men's retreat, we didn't get a lot of rest, but it was a breath of fresh air. And uh, it was just uh, super impactful. And I appreciate all the guys who made an effort to be there. And um, we're in the, in the midst of or in the works and trying to plan some sort of family outing like that where all the families can join in and do some sort of outing like that where we can get away and take a breath of fresh air. I think it's uh, also necessary to do this on more of a regular basis. Not just once a year when the men's retreat comes around. Not just once every so often when you get a day off of work, you, you know, take a breath. Um, God put within the seven-day work week, a day called Sabbath. We call it the Lord's Day. And um, I want to focus on that for just a, minute, just a few minutes. Um, our service will look just a little bit different this morning. Um, I'm going to fly through some, some good information, some, uh, uh, some scripture that I want to talk about. And, um, and then we're going to kind of have a, I brought these stools up here. We're going to have a kind of a panel discussion. Um, some, some folks are going to come up and um, help us answer some questions about what the Lord's Day means to them and what, what kind of changes are going to take place here um, in the church, at the Church of Loveland. So I want you to turn in your Bibles, and some of these are going to be on the screen, not all of them. Um, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, in our discussion groups, you may have uh, come across this one uh, this morning. But Exodus chapter 20, um, starting in verse 8, we find where uh, Moses begins to, or God begins to share with Moses the things that he wants his people to be a part of. And uh, he wants to instill within uh, the congregation uh, of Israelites, the people of Israel, God's people. Exodus chapter 20, um, starting in verse 8. Um, Look at it with me uh, when you get there. Before we go there, let's look to God in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the love that you share with us. God, thank you for meeting us where we are, for allowing us to experience your love, and God, allowing us to, to reciprocate, love you back, and to love others around us. God, I pray that as we dive into these ideas and these thoughts about your day and what it means and what it looks like, God, that we'll be able to instill them within our own lives. And make uh, your day a part of our work week, uh, our, our busy lives. God, I pray that you'll bless with that this morning. I pray the things in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 20, starting in verse 8, it says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On the day no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Five comments here. Number one, remembering. Uh, 
First, Israel is to, re- to, to remember the rest day. The Sabbath means to rest. Remember the Sabbath day means don't forget to take it off. Take a day off once in a while. That day of rest. Number two, keeping it holy. This means set it aside for uh, above all other days as special. Specifically, uh, as verse 10 says, keep it to the Lord or for the Lord. In other words, to rest is not to be aimless. It's not to be aimless rest, but to be God-centered rest. Attention is to be directed to God in the way that is more concentrated and steady than any other day. Uh, keep the day holy by keeping the focus on the holy God. Three out of, out of seven, there should be one. There should be one out of every seven that we hold as holy. The holy rest day should be one out of every seven. Verse 9 says you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Work six, rest one. Work six, rest one. That's the platform prescribed in the Ten Commandments. No, it does not say that the Sabbath day of rest has to be the last day of the week or the first day of the week. This concept of weeks is not ever mentioned. This command is simply work six, rest one. Every seventh day should be a Sabbath. There's no, there's no messing around with it. There's no fudging. No fudging on the commandment by saying, well, if I keep uh, you know, my maid at work or keep the office running or keep things moving, the ox is threshing, put the carrot in front of his nose when you leave and, and come back and hope he's still plowing the field for you. It says everybody. Your, your servants, your animals, uh, foreigners living among you. Um, you miss the point if you try to keep the business running by using servants or animals or relatives or whatever. We're, we're missing the point. And five, God's rest. He rested after creation. Verse 11 leads us to the basic point of the commandment. It is based on God's rest after creation. For in six days God made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now, bounce back with me back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 2. It says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. God blessed and he sanctified this day. God blessed and sanctified this day. Both in Genesis 2 and in Exodus 20, God blessed and sanctified the rest day. What does it mean for God to bless a day? I think it means that he makes the day a time of blessing. When God blesses a man, what's he do? The man becomes rich with blessing. When God blesses a land, the land becomes rich with blessings. When he blesses a day, that day becomes rich with blessings blessings what does it mean that he sanctified the day you still have this image in your head of someone licking the brownie and putting back on a plate to make sure it's theirs for later God sanctifies the day we know what sanctifies means it means to set it apart to make it holy to make it his when he sets aside a day he sets it aside for himself to be honored and glorified in it God got to the end of creation and he sat back and he, he may have crossed his arms and kicked his leg up on a, on a tree stump or something on a rock and said, hmm, check this out. Look what I, look what I made. 
Now consider the two words together. He blessed the day and he sanctified the day. Do these two fit together? He made it a source of blessing. He also made it a focus on himself. Isn't it obvious that the sanctifying is included in the blessing? And the blessing is included in the sanctifying. When you sanctify and honor God and focus your attention on him, you receive more blessing. Than if you keep busying yourself seven days a week with secular affairs, thinking professional advancement and money in, in route to true happiness. The reverse is also true. When you seek your blessing in God rather than the products of human labor, you sanctify and you honor him and respect his holiness as the greater wealth. Right? Let's look at God's rest for just a sec. Why do you think God rested? He's an almighty and all-powerful God. Why would he need rest? The reason given in Genesis 2 and verse 3 and Exodus 20 verse 11 wasn't so much that a day of rest, but a day of reflection. A reflection on the work that was completed and a focus on honoring this work and the greatness of the one who made it. God emphasizes with his highest creature, the one created in his image, the need for a stop. In the chaos of busy life. God rested as an example to us. God intended this day to be a day of refocus on the life created and given. This day was to be for recognizing the blessing and the blesser. The day was to be taken in leisure, one out of seven, for the purpose of acknowledging his grace, not our labor. A day to seek God's blessing by giving special attention to him. Not only do we honor him for creation, but also for salvation. So God's the source of salvation. In other places in scripture, we find the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy what, kids? Deuteronomy 5. Did it just die? It gets six days of rest and only has to work on one day. Maybe. How's that? I don't know what it's, what it's complaining about. I mean, it sits in that drawer all week. It doesn't work all week. It rests for six days. Deuteronomy 5 is where we find the other place. And in, in Deuteronomy 5, I don't know if you noticed when you were looking for verses on the Sabbath this morning during discussion group, that this one is a little bit different. It brings a whole other element into um, the Sabbath. Look at Deuteronomy 5 and verse 15. I don't think this one's on the screen. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Right? You see the difference there? In other words, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm of God were not wearied by creation. They were full of strength. God's rest was not for recuperation, but for exaltation. Now the same God has shown his power, not just to create, but to also save. So the focus of Sabbath is on God, not only as a source of creation but also the source of salvation. The beauty of Sabbath is it's not good news. It's not, it's not 
it's good news. It is good news. It's not bad news. It's not bad news. It's good news. All the way through. Isaiah 58, 13. Did you guys find this one? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's a shame that that so many people, they, they think of the Sabbath only as in terms of things you can't do. Its original intention was certainly intended to be good news, not bad news. The Sabbath command is in fact a command to experience joy. Who would grump about experiencing joy? God's purpose for us on the Sabbath is that we experience the highest and most intense joy that can be experienced. We need to speak of it with delight. When I go wake up the kids on Sunday mornings, sometimes I have to force myself to say, it's time to wake up, kids. Rise and shine. We get to go to church today, right? If you worked seven days a week in the hot sun to keep life together with hardly any time for leisure or reflection... Would you consider it burdensome if your God came to you with, an, with omnipotent authority and said, I don't want you to have to work so much. I want you to have a day a week to rest and enjoy what really counts in life. I promise to meet your needs with just six days of work. That is a, not a cruel command. That's a gracious gift. So why do so many people think of this idea of Sabbath as a burden. I think the reason so many people think of it as a burden is partly because we have so much leisure. We don't feel the need for a Sabbath rest, but more important, I think it's the fact that many people really don't really enjoy what God intended for us to enjoy on the Sabbath. Many professing Christians enjoy sports, television, secular books, magazines, recreation, hobbies, games, far more in the direct interaction with God and his word. Inevitably, people whose hearts are set more on pleasure of the world than on the enjoyment of God will feel the Sabbath command as a burden, not a blessing. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 says, Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are what? Are not burdensome. Listen closely. The measure of your love for God is the measure of the joy you get in focusing on him on this day of rest. The measure of your love for God is the measure of the joy you get in focusing on him on the day of rest. For most people, the Sabbath command is really a demand to repent. It invites us to enjoy what we don't enjoy and therefore shows us the evil in our hearts and our need to repent and be changed. Yikes. That's Old Testament. That's right. Now let's move to the New Testament. New Testament, and let's look at Jesus' view in the New Testament. In the dark of God's silence, the 400 years we find between Malachi and when Jesus came, we find man adding to the gift of Sabbath. 
all sorts of different traditions which have caused all sorts of problems. So when we get to the New Testament, Jesus slams head on into these traditions with very, a very different view than the ones shared by the Pharisees. In one occasion in Matthew chapter 12, and I'm, I don't think this whole thing's on the screen either. Look at it with me. Look it up with me. Um, Matthew chapter 12. We're going to kind of read 1 through 12 just because that gives us a real good perspective of what's going on here. Look at Jesus' ideas here. At about the time Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some of the heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in scriptures when David, what David did when he saw his and he and his companions were hungry? They went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only, that only the priests were allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man, the Son of, of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Verse 9. Then Jesus went over to the synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a, a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so that they would bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into the well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. What's wrong with the Pharisees? What's wrong with these guys? Why couldn't they see the, the Old Testament the way Jesus did? I think they had a heart problem. The Sabbath is a gift of love to meet man's need, not an oppressive burden to make him miserable and proud. So Jesus didn't come to abolish the Sabbath, but to dig, in, dig it out from underneath this, this mountain of legalistic sediment. and To give it again to us as a blessing rather than a burden. Is a day for showing mercy, a day for doing good. It should not be governed rigidly by narrow definitions of what it is to work and what it is to not. So that's Jesus' view. But even Jesus lived most of his life under the old law. We find Jesus in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And what's he do? He's worshiping there. He obeyed the Sabbath. He perfected the Sabbath. What was the practice in the first century church? So moving to the early church, we get a clear understanding from their example. This day of rest was not rejected, but just moved from Saturday to Sunday. This is commanded. Any, it's not really commanded anywhere in the New Testament, but there are several verses that point it out. That give us the example that that's what happened. Secular history, uh, oftentimes other religious organizations, even the Catholics, will, will claim that they made this change from Saturday to Sunday. But in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to what? To share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since we were, we were leaving the next day, or he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until mid midnight. This was a formal gathering. The purpose was to partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Another verse points out that they met on the first day of the week in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. You can look that one up later. These are the only two explicit references which seem to relate uh, you know, Sabbath to Sunday rather than on Saturday. 
The real reason the early church came to count the, the first day of the week as the day of rest and worship is because the Lord of the Sabbath rose on the first day of the week. So from the earliest days, Christians had set it aside as the first day of the week as their usual day of rest and worship. So to wrap this up, one, we need to accept this gift uh, of one day's rest a week. Humble yourself, believe it, believe you need it, and be willing to admit your wealth and your significance and your true advancement in life depend far more on God's labor than on yours. Devote one day a week to focus your attention on God in a special way. Keep it a holy day. Devote yourself to those things that deepen your love for God. And let this day of rest, God work focus, be on the first day of the week as a witness to the world that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your Sabbath and your life. So what? Why do we talk about it? Terry preached a sermon back a couple months ago about the margins in our life. We build the margins in. We have, uh, you, you, you frame a piece of painting or a piece of art and you put what? You put a frame around it. You mat it. Why? Because it's pleasing to your eye. Why do we need to build those things into our lives? The seven habits, we find this habit of sharpening the saw. What's this idea of sharpening the saw? Well, it's to take care of your your body. You take care of who you are. You take care of your spiritual, emotional. We talked about it this weekend up at the men's retreat. The story of the, the goose who laid the golden eggs. All pointing to this idea of rest and replenishment. So preacher, why do you bring this up? I believe we have some of our strength as a church has diminished because of our lack of acknowledgement and observance of the Lord's day. But with that being said, I feel as a congregation we've made a shift from pharisaical lists of rules of people to follow to seeking genuine relationship with God and loving our neighbors like we should. We did friends praying for friends, did the whole love does thing. We have conversation accountability, right? We talk about our conversations that we have with people about God during the week. We, we um, announce that and talk about those on Wednesday night. All of these things have led to what? A deeper relationship with God. Falling deeper in love with God and others. But we still have a problem. What's our problem? Striving to provide a Sunday evening service has been a heavy burden on many of us. Me especially. Uh, a lot of leadership. We've tried all sorts of ideas. Some have worked for a while and, and some have not at all um, due to some lack of participation, due to other factors. So the leadership team has, has made a decision to, to remove Sunday evenings from our normal schedule. And I know for some of you, it's like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If I don't make all three of those services, I'll probably end up in hell. That's just literally that's how you feel. I don't think that the Lord of the Sabbath, that Jesus Christ himself, in any way would honor if I'm not in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I'm going to hell. I don't think that's what it's about. It's not that. So I've asked a few to join me up here in front to share their thoughts about it and, and also answer any questions that might, we might have. So we want, we want to make this more of a discussion time, more of a time where we can just kind of chat 
and um, talk about it. And I've got a few questions that I'm going to ask, and, and maybe you have some questions too to, to clarify what will take place and what will happen uh, in the coming um, months, years of, of what's going to happen um, here at the Church of Ludwig. So, uh, folks, um, ministry leader, uh, ministry leaders, if you could come up and join me, um, uh, I'd appreciate it. Anybody else that wants to come up and join the discussion panel, you're welcome to. But I've asked a few. Yeah, take a stool or take a stand, whatever you want to do. It don't matter. There's a couple extra stools over there, too. Um, let's turn on this other mic. If you sit close enough, maybe you might want to scoot your stools together. That way you can hand the mic back. I can sit by Ron. Oh, no, Sorry. you don't. Somebody else can sit. Falls over on my stool here. And we'll pass the mic back and forth. If you want to answer the question, um, you can pass it along. And you don't all have to answer every question, but um, I just want to—I want everybody to get some more feedback from uh, the rest of the, uh, the ministry leaders. I don't think we have all of them here. I think Ron is the back. Uh, Kate's over there. He's doing slides. So maybe chime in, Kate, if you if you have something to say. And obviously, if there's anybody has uh, you want to comment about what's taking place, I'm totally fine with that. And we'll just take just a few minutes. And I'm going to answer some questions and talk about it. So to start with, I just want to ask the question, what, what about the Lord's Day is important to you and why? Does anybody want to answer that question? What about the Lord's Day is important to you and, and why is it important? Well, I've got the mic, so I'll start. Um, I think Greg, for me, in his exhortation this morning was, was huge. We need that time. Obviously, it's been established that we need to be here. That's what the first church did. That's what we do is the Lord's Supper. But the reasoning behind it, um, and I don't need to, Greg said it perfectly this morning. But beyond that, I'm the type of person that just loves to work and to keep myself busy. And if I let myself, I would stop. So to be here, and we talked about it in our groups this morning, to just myself those distractions and focus on what needs to be focused on myself that vertical relationship um, and just hanging out with everybody here is if I miss that for whatever reason I, I feel it so. So, I mean, obviously the, the time to learn and to uh, build our relationship with God, but uh, a big thing for me is in looking at my responsibility, uh, leading my family, um, I want to expose them to all of you <laughs> and, and to have those relationships and those times where we have those classes and times together and discussions and our groups that we talk about things and, and hearing the exhortation and, and the lessons, but it's it's taking a time where my family is together. We're committed to that time together. And and we're around all of you, which is it's huge to me. Excellent. Anyone else? What about the Lord's Day is important to you and why? For, for me, uh, Sunday is the day to recharge. Uh, when I come to be here and have fellowship with you guys, it takes my mind off the burdens of the week, and it's a chance to look forward 
to the hope that I have in Christ and know that this is what's important in life. These are the things that are going to help me get to heaven. And it's and, it, and it's a combination. It's it's the sink. It's the exhortation. It's the sermon. It's being around each one of you um, and enjoying that time and, and worship with you. Uh, gets me ready for Monday morning when I'm going to encounter a world that is thinking completely differently. Absolutely. Anyone else want to mention uh, what what about the Lord's Day is important to you? You don't have to have a mic. You want to just shout something out? What about the Lord's Day is important to you? Rob?
seven times a week to come on. <laughs> um, we did all kinds of stuff all the time because we had a place. And then when we went homeless, um, this was home, our, our family being together, our church family being together. And I know it feels like since we had to make all those changes, like Lloyd was saying, our congregation has made a shift um, as far as it's not about being at church at 9 o'clock on Sunday and 6 o'clock on Sunday night and 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, and that's your church. Our church has become more us. Um, and like you said, what the love does. And there are so many opportunities for us now as a congregation, now that we have kind of changed our be at church or go to hell mindset to be the church wherever you go. And I just feel like that's, that's going to fix the problem as long as we all know the Sabbath is our day to come as a church family together, get recharged, and then spread that love wherever we go. So. Good. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, Rhonda's comment on this because uh, she's somebody who grew up in the church. And Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night was just, that was life. And that's what you did. And there was no deviation from that. You didn't make excuses on missing if you were sick. Show up anyways. Uh, and so, knowing that you've done this all your life, it's, it's not just we're going to stop having church. It's it becomes a question of what's next? What are we going to drop next? Are we going to decide there's something else that doesn't need to be part of the Sunday service? And so we really have to search deep on what that purpose is before we, we make this, this jump. And, and she didn't make that comment to say that she's opposed to dropping Sunday night service, but it's that that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Uh, and then I'll throw in, just based on what Lloyd said in the, in the message this morning, you know, how are we going to use this time? Are we going to use it for God-honoring purpose, or are we going to do, you know, you know, you look at back at uh, Isaiah 58, and it says, it's not a time for you to enjoy all your own pleasures. Uh, or are we going to fill it up with football games and sports activities and, and stuff that's, oh man, this is fun. Let's go do this today. Uh, or are we going to interject God into it? So that's the, probably the biggest thing is how we personally utilize this gift of time. Yep, absolutely. As a congregation, how can we benefit from this change? Spiritually speaking, how can this help the church grow? move on to that question. I'm a, a tech guy. On my watch it says I've been at church today for three hours and 47 minutes. And my average is four and a half to five hours a week. So the way I, I look at it, and to touch a little bit on the last question, I work 60 to 70 hours a week. I drive with that 40 hours a week probably. Um, I spent, you know, yep. 60 hours a week sleeping. Five hours is not enough to be home, to be a family. But to, for that question, you know, what benefits? 
do we gain from this? We've talked a lot about the culture of the church at Loveland. What is our culture as the church? And it changes. It always does change. And we are a very social group of people. When I'm not here and I'm not working and I decide to hang out with somebody, likely it's somebody here. That's who I spend my time with. So our relationships can grow in those areas that we like to be, shooting archery or going hunting or going onto a mentor tree. So I think that we can still spend the best day without distractions with each other in places and areas that we can really enjoy and that we can we can be together doing. Anyone else? As a congregation, how can we benefit from this change? Spiritually speaking, how can this help the church grow? Um, I'm struck by the, the first video and the idea of sanctifying with this. And, and the benefit is the rest and it is the, the time where we're not just filled up with the busyness of life. And, and the importance that I see of that sanctifying is that it, I think it's it could be a real temptation for some uh, and I can include myself in this to say that without Sunday night church now there's suddenly this open time that somebody asks hey can you help out with this can you do this for me can you come into work tonight it'd be really easy to say well that time's available if it isn't sanctified if it isn't put aside to begin with and we don't commit to say no this is this is rest this is uh, a focus on God, this is a day where we are committed to, to growing together as a church family, to growing together as our individual family, but it is not for those other things that we need to, to put aside for the other six days. Excellent. And for you personally, or as a family, how do you plan to use this time on the Lord's Day to worship Him? What's your plan? Some of you have already mentioned kind of some of the things you might do. Uh, what's your plan? What are you going to do in this time uh, to worship God more completely or, or differently? Man, the sky is the limit. <laughs> uh, there's, to start off, when you have a Sunday night service, you've got this block of time that uh, I'm committed to this, so you, you've now reduced your afternoon to a certain thing. There's only certain things I can do in that afternoon to go somewhere and be back in time for the evening service or, or, or whatever the, that commitment was. Um, I, it, I've now expanded that from the time I leave here this morning till, you know, 8, 9 o'clock at night. What am I going to do? You know, maybe Don and I go fishing somewhere. No, you guys are too good at that already. <laughs> something else. Uh, you've perfected that. <laughs> we'll have to try a different species of fish now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, having neighbors over. We had such a good time uh, when we did our hospitality night that one earlier this year where we invited our neighbors. And we actually had some neighbors come up. And they were the new family in the block. And it was just a blessing to get to know them. I see us doing more of that. I see us, you know, finding a service project and, and taking a proactive approach and saying, let's plan this Sunday and let's go help somebody or help this organization and 
do those things and you know if somebody else wants to tag along you're more than welcome but I see it as each of us individually being accountable to God to developing our vertical relationship and finding unique and creative ways to honor him and sometimes you know it might just be sitting in your backyard and watching the clouds go by and looking at the shapes that they that God's thrown out there for you. It's like use your imagination. This is a chance, and, and we definitely have a lot of creative minds in this in this church. It's like I am really excited about what this could be and become, and using that worship board back there to to share it. Yeah. What what blessed you? in the activity that you just did on Sunday. Uh, how did that praise God? How did I honor God? And so, yeah, I look for that thing being That would be a great thing. It's, it's looking full already. We might have to snap a picture yeah. and erase it so we can uh, start, start adding some more stuff to it. Who else? What other ways would you... Uh, Two more things. There's tons of concerts I've always wanted to go to that are on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to go to a lot more Christian concerts. And I like to visit some other churches at times. Okay. And uh, renew friendships that I have with people down in uh, Northland. Okay. He kind of said what I was going to say. There's a lot of times that we would like to have people over, but it's hard because you have to kick them out by 5 to be here at 6 or whatever the case may be. So... Um, I'm really looking forward to having that time that we can witness more to President Arnila's friends at school and try to be that connection. So. Any other ideas? Trash pickup. Oh, yeah, trash pickup. <laughs> <laughs> Answer every question. That's right. So uh, I wanted to speak on the, the blended thing. Okay. Because that is, I know, uh, something that at least some of you have an interest in here. We've committed to doing a few more blended, I think once a month for the next few months and we're going to go to the conference in Nashville and learn about that. And for me and uh, I don't know if I should speak for Sarah on this, but this is a this is a, something where we feel like we are blessing the community or we've got that ability to bless the community from what we're learning and sharing. But we want to be intentional about it. We want it to be not just the Sunday service that you feel obligated to go to, but it's something where you come because you want to want help and you want to uh, commune in that. And so we're not interested in, in dropping things that are helping people. And so I just wanted to be clear about that. And um, there's football on there. No. <laughs> I think I, I'm looking at it as having people over for meals and, and doing family time, going up to the mountains for a hike. That's something my family talks about a lot and we never find the time for it. So yeah, good. Excellent. Sorry, I'll say one more thing while okay. I'm playing. Um, most of you women know we had to cancel our ladies retreat this year just because it's really hard for us moms to be able to get away even though we need to. So along the same thing with um, John saying that they're going to do the blended class. It's one more opportunity for us women. I think it's easier to invite a friend of ours to come to a two-hour event or three-hour event on a Sunday um, than it is to get them to come away for two days or three days. So we have decided, too, that we wanted to do, um, the ladies that we had a meeting with, uh, are, we're going to do a wait, women of worship, like WOW, women event once a month if we can, um, and have each woman uh, host it and do something that way. 
we're all still getting together, but yet it's not a full-on uh, retreat, but yet it's just a little getaway for three hours, come and hang out wherever it is, and we'll still be able to get that fellowship time together. And I feel that's important, too, even though I'm not with my family, I need that recharge as well. So it's, it's um, not necessarily ditching the family to go do something, but I need that time away to be able to refuel so I can be a better mom and a better wife. All right. Any other questions or comments or any of those questions that you, you heard that you want to respond to or, or spew out, spout off about? Jackie? Are we still going to be doing hospitality? Yes. Yeah, I think we're going to continue the hospitality nights just because that sort of cultivates that, that culture that we're trying to shoot for. Uh, so I think the, the hospitality nights will probably continue. That's going to be um, the third Sunday. We're going to try to do it the third Sunday of every month. Okay. The hospitality nights. But I think that the rest of those Sundays, the rest of those ones that aren't, you know, obviously there's a few things that we're going to try to plan. Um, but I really think that this will, it, it should really kind of empower all of us to get out of our shell, get out of our box, and, and really kind of look for things, look for ways that we can bless those that are around us and, and those that we come across. Anybody else have uh, any other comments? Sarah? Um, I guess One other thing um, that I want to mention, and um, and then we will dismiss. Kate, you got that video?